Before we get to the podcast, I wanted to make sure that you knew that my online knee course with Lenny Macrina is on sale for $200 off this week. If you want to learn exactly how to evaluate and treat the knee, you're going to love our comprehensive course where we cover our clinical examination, exercise progressions, and specific information on ACL, meniscus, patellofemoral, articular cartilage, osteoarthritis, and so much more. Plus, you can earn a ton of CEU credit. The course is on sale this week for $200 off. Head to MikeReynolds.com slash knee for more information and to sign up today. On this episode of the Ask Mike Reynolds Show, I have an amazing baseball episode, a bunch of great minds that were all at the Sabre Seminar this weekend, the big Sabermetric Seminar up in Boston. I got Dan Blewett, I have Will Carroll, Kevin Vance, Dave Fisher, bunch of pro guys, collegiate coaches, uh, injury experts, you name it, These, uh, it's going to be a great episode. The Ask Mike Reynolds Show. Helping people feel better, move better. Perform better. Welcome back, everybody, to the latest episode of the Ask Mike Reynolds Show. We got an awesome episode today, a baseball-specific episode, but I have a bunch of great guests. So the the champion crew's not here today. It's kind of weird. So the students are behind the scenes, scenes still checking us out. But um, but uh, we've we've substituted all the champion people for a great baseball crew, which is going to be really cool here. So this weekend was a big seminar up in Boston for Saber Metrics. It's called the Saber Seminar, uh, ran by Dan Brooks and Chuck Corb. And just a, an amazing group of, of all the statisticians and people that are in, in uh, the sabermetrics aspect of baseball. So we all attended and we all said, let's let's hang out and let's talk a little bit. So we got a great episode. So Dan Blewett from Warbird Academy in Bloomington, Illinois, right? So Dan, great, uh, um, really to me, great resource on the web right now. He's contributed a bunch to EliteBaseballPerformance.com if you haven't seen it yet. Uh, but amazing writer, some really good videos that he's done in there, but I've been really impressed with what he's doing. Uh, played pro ball for how many years, Dan? Well, I say seven years because I had a gap year from surgery, so six seasons and seven years. Got it. Been through a bunch. Pro ball, you know, college baseball. Now he's running his own training facility with travel teams. So great resource, I think, to talk to. Next is Will Carroll. You, you may recognize him as the injury expert or at injury expert, right? So uh, Will, longtime uh, media uh, writer for uh, pretty much everybody. Yeah. I mean, Will's. I've known Will for uh, over a decade now, I guess, and he's written for everybody out there now um, on injuries and really one of, one of the leading specialists in terms of, like, relaying information and how do we take injuries that we're seeing, how do we apply those things. And obviously great uh, great writer, but now he's also working with Modus Global with their with their M-sleeve uh, that they do. So, uh, Will, tons of information because he, he probably knows more than all of us because he talks to more people. So, amazing. So, right. Uh, Kevin Vance, pitching coach at URI again pro ball how many years six so six years that's the big number I guess right now you six Fish? Six. Yeah. Oh, no way. So, uh, so Kevin Vance, six years as well. Uh, he's played in the White Sox organization, played with the D-backs. Um, you know, again, college, all that fun stuff. But now he's made the transition to collegiate coaching. So he's the pitching coach at URI. So, you know, interesting perspective. And then finally, Dave Fisher, you guys may be familiar with him. He's been on an episode or two. I'm in the intro, too. He, he's like, oh, that's right. He's on the intro. So it's, it's yeah. the proof. He does pitch. So pro ball player, still current pro ball, pro ball player, but, you know, obviously good friend to uh, champion and has been around all the time so uh, that may be the longest intro we've ever done on the podcast but 
So for this episode, what I wanted to do is, what I want to do is, I actually have some questions for you guys, which is a little bit different. And the first one I'd say is, we all just attended the Sabre Seminar, right? It's an amazing conference, two-day conference on some of the data and the science behind baseball, right? So we just attended this meeting. Uh, what do you guys, what do you guys think? Like, what was, what was one big takeaway? And especially since we have such unique perspectives here, what's a good takeaway you got from the, the meeting? And maybe we'll just go around the horn. Dan, what do you think? What was, what was the most impactful thing from Sabre Seminar for you that you could share? Um, you know, I really like Tom Tippett's speech. He talked about evaluating free agents in the major leagues. So he kind of shared his experience, how they, you know, they have a guy with them for five years and here's their war, you know, over those years. And they're trying to extrapolate and figure out, you know, is this guy going to be worth X amount of dollars in the future? It just gives a really interesting, just, it shines light onto how players are now evaluated. They're, it's such a business trying to figure out, is this guy worth it? Is he going to continue to do well? You know, and a lot of the stuff I've been reading, I've been reading Tom Tango and Michael Lickman's book, and everyone's trying to forecast future performance. So, all right, this guy was, you know, this guy went 15 for 20 against this pitcher. He kills this one pitcher. Well, is he going to continue that trend, or is he just going to go back to sort of, is he going to normalize over time? Like, there's so much trying to figure out if what you're doing now is what you'll do in the future. And that's kind of what I, you know, I'll probably chat a little bit with all of us about. Um, just consistency as a player that's one of the absolute biggest things is being consistent and so whether you want to get paid millions of dollars in the future or you just want to make your high school varsity team it's clear that at all levels of baseball just consistency and trying to find it is just really really important which is great too because if you would ask me what's the one thing that youth high school players lack it's consistency Mm -hmm. and it's consistency in their training it's consistency in their preparation heck it's even consistency in just how they play catch yeah right they're just not taking it serious sometimes and stuff like that so so that's great so we 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 learned from a baseball executive so tom Tippett was he was the like director of of research or analytics or whatever the heck he was with the red sox (laughs) for whatever so i worked with him for a long time he's brilliant uh but he's he's you know he's one of the guys behind the scenes with the data and the analytics and what he's saying is that the com- computer models value consistency so yeah. so again i like that. It's great so consistency i like it will what about you uh, for me you know this was my first saber seminar it was a great experience i think you know for years we've talked about performance we've talked about prediction we've seen the advanced stats and we're at the 99 percent mark now you know 99 is actually fairly easy to get to it's that last one percent that takes forever because you don't know how to shift further? How do you make those incremental gains? And now we're starting to see things spread out. We're talking about catcher framing. We're talking about injury uh, management. We're talking about financial management and bringing models from Wall Street into things. So uh, I think it's, it's seeing the spread of it and seeing how many opportunities there are within that to really make a difference in the game. So uh, for me, it's just exciting that there's more things to learn rather than, okay, we got there, we're done. Um, and, and you're starting to see that in baseball. I think we're seeing a, a kind of a, a stagnation period and then a revolution because you know, we're seeing more data. The StatCast is taking over. Uh, and, and as we start to figure out how to put that into context, uh, for example, you know, everybody now looks at launch angle and exit velocity. I mean, I, I've said people that it ruins the game. I'm like, no, my first reaction when Aaron Judge hits a home run is, ooh, and then it's, uh, what's the exit velocity? Yeah. Um, <laughs> and you look at these, and you know, if I said to you three years ago, 108 mile an hour exit velocity, or Cody Bellinger last night hitting 105 with a sound that I've never heard before. Uh, yeah. How we put those into context and getting those things over, getting the understanding, and then bringing it down to the to the high school, to college, to the youth level, 
I think it's uh, going to be a really exciting time in the next five years. Yeah, I, I feel like we're at a, a really cool point. I feel like, you know, 10 years ago we started this concept of data or whatever, however long it was we started this concept, but it's it's not just like incrementally getting better, right? It's like it's astronomically getting better. There's more data at our fingertips every freaking day. I feel like there's a huge market opportunity for players here that it's not just this over-reliance on velocity and stuff like that and just say like, well, it's, it's just how hard can I throw? That's the one metric that a kid seems to care about. Right. But it's about, there's all these different metrics and trust me, the front offices of professional baseball teams are analyzing these metrics. It's not just velocity. Right? I think one of the things we're seeing is, you know, baseball is, is uh, comes in waves. You know, uh, in the 80s, steroid era, the home run era, the hitters were all power. And then so the answer for that was pitchers to throw harder. Right. And so they, the answer to that was hitters to swing harder. And we figured that out. So what's the next? So are we talking about pitch design, spin, all the other things? What's going to be the pitcher's answer? And we're at a period where we're about to figure that out. Right. I feel like the, the evolution has been that essentially we went from, all right, the, 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 the position players are hitting harder, they're, they're getting a little smarter, so let's just throw harder. And now the pitchers have adapted, or the, the, the hitters have adapted. So now it's almost like we need to start tricking them again, yeah. right? And I don't know if that's if I said that well. But, no, you're, you're exactly right. You Velocity know. was the easy part. Right, pitching, right. Pitching is tougher, as you guys well know. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. And, and there's plenty of people, I mean, that, that you know, it's, 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 it's about getting out. Right, one metric isn't enough. If you get out, that's 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 great. But Kevin, what do you think? What, what was your big takeaway? Um, I thought it was great to hear a lot, um, sort of bridging the gap. There was a lot of guys like Dan. I think really finished it off. Um, he was one of the last guys to speak. And he talked about bridging the gap with baseball stat guys and baseball traditionalists, and you know, like the old school and new school. And I thought it was good to hear a lot of coming together, especially towards you know the end with uh, Brian Bannister former player and he uses all the numbers and he's one of the best working with Rich Hill and all that and that was probably the best takeaway for me just hearing um, Bannister talk and you know not being cookie cutter and putting everyone in the same box um, just not limiting creativity with pitchers and you know letting them kind of figure out who they are as a pitcher from you know from my standpoint as a pitching coach that's I really I valued that and I think it's awesome to you know do whatever you want you know, I'm not going to, you know, tell you to be a tall and fall guy or, you know, have this certain arm path. Everyone is doing what they what they do. Um, so that was good to hear from guys like Bannister and just letting guys kind of do what they do, not limiting creativity, and at the same time pulling things from both sides, the numbers and, you know, a little bit of old school baseball too. Yeah, it's, it's pretty neat again now. I think in the in where we are with data again now is we used to have these assumptions that there was a best way or an optimal way for almost everything. It's the healthiest way. This is the best performance way. Whatever it may be, we had all these different things. But now I think the data is showing us that it, it, the individualization of these programs is probably what's most optimal. Um, and and great takeaway. I, I mean, I think that's fantastic. But we we've done things with the Moda sleeve. We've done things with Rapsodo where we've looked at the actual you know, you know, like qualitative research of what's happening when somebody pitches. And I, I'll just say it's surprising. 
So you can't, in my perspective, you can't go in thinking we know everything because I feel like every year I just learn about all the things I was wrong about and, and we make this adjustment over time. You know, so we've seen people drop to weird arm angles and the stress on their elbow go down on the modus sleeve, right? And we wouldn't have known that without the modus sleeve. We've seen their spin rate increase and their horizontal movement increase when they went down two miles on their velocity because they were focusing too much on velo and not as much on movement and stuff like that. So, you know, we're we're in a great place. So, uh, not to get completely off track, but you, you, I thought of a great question based on this. So, as players, how, how do you guys feel when when somebody walks in the room? Dan, Dan said it well. Is when the guys in khakis come into the clubhouse. So that's when the uh, which they all love that, by the way. Uh, they, uh, so when the data guys come into the clubhouse from a player's perspective, you know, what's your initial reaction, and then? How do we bridge the gap reverse, right? How do, how do, how do we, how, what can we do to, to get players to, to see the value in this, I guess? Um, I was going to, yeah, that's kind of actually what I was going to use as my takeaway from Perfect. So I was, was kind of going like, wow, Mike's an incredible host here. He's already leading into me what I want to say. Um, just great minds here. Uh, but, uh, so it was my first Sabre seminar, too. I think it was all of ours, right? Um, and I thought the coolest part was honestly you – read these guys' articles and you see their data all the time. And for me, having an opportunity to go there and, and kind of put some names to, to faces was really cool. So uh, in terms of bridging the gap with that, just connecting on that emotional level, talking about things. Uh, me and Kevin got to test the Moda sleeve and the Repsoto stuff, throwing out in front of it, and then talking to them about the data. And I just think that's a, something that is only going to help players in the future. It's only going to help um, – any baseball player that wants to get better at anything, become more efficient with uh, spin rate, velocity, just learning all that stuff, I think it's uh, super important. And the fact that um, these guys are all wanting us to get better and they want to help us is super important, I think. so. And, and I think the, 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 to keep going with what Fish is saying right there, I think the fantastic concept here is when the guys in khakis come into the clubhouse with printouts of Excel sheets, it's pretty daunting, right? And you don't quite understand what that means as a player. And as a youth player, you're just sorting through these websites of data. What does that mean? But when you get to see it on Modus and Rapsodo and devices like that, and you get to throw a pitch and see exactly what happens, and then maybe change your grip a little bit or change your pressure or change your release point and you see immediately what changes. Yeah. I, I feel like you can, the player can grasp the data better. And it's all things we've we've felt or thought about in our heads before, but to actually have some physical proof of it and the data to go behind it and then to be able to use that data to make immediate just, adjustments, pitches to pitch, pitch to pitches, which is uh, incredible. It's, it's made but, it. It's one wild. of the funny things to me is I've been doing this long enough that I remember literally having arguments about whether a curveball curved. We were still at that point when we started. <laughs> right. we, that wasn't that long ago. Right? No. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And now I can tell you not only that it does curve, but how much it curves horizontally, yeah. vertically, and what, when, what the spin. Right. Yeah. And, and you can learn to shape these pitches by changing what you do and the field. And these are things that have always existed. And now that we're quantifying them, the next step beyond quantifying is putting them in context, like you said. Uh, you know, it's amazing to me that, that players are starting to do that. So we've got to bridge that gap pretty quickly about getting context into the field. What is Spin rate means nothing to most people right now. But at some point we'll say, oh, a 2200, uh, 2200 RPM uh, spin makes a pitch do this from this angle, and we'll start to understand it. So I think one of the problems we're going to have is coming up with a vocabulary that works both for the analytical people and for the players. 
right. and, and as you know, coaches and, and therapists, we're going to have to figure out how to help that context come down. And for players, they're going to have to figure out how what things they need to know. Right. To me, there's a huge market opportunity, right? The the young players that can embrace this, I think, are going to be in a, a, an amazing position to actually benefit from this. They're going to, they're, you know, you're going to see this new revolution of, I don't know if it's the smart pitcher or however I'd, I would phrase it, but to me, that's pitching performance. It's not just, you know, we, we have so much data now, we can get rid of these assumptions and say performance now is just maximizing you, maximizing your pitch quality, your pitch selection. You might find out with, with this data that certain pitches aren't as effective as others, or you might find one that you rarely throw because chapter six in the book on how to pitch says to establish fastball away or whatever. You guys know this better than me, but yeah. maybe that's not what everybody does. Maybe your four yeah. seems garbage. I was garbage. thinking about that right away yesterday when we were using it already, like thinking about the spin efficiency on balls and stuff like that and uh, just what pitches might work better that I haven't used in the past, and I was just the first time using stuff like that for me. Yeah, the, the secret of Rich Hill is, is no secret. I mean, they just, Rich, you have one of the best curveballs in Major League Baseball. How come you only throw it 20% of the time? I don't know. Well, you should throw it more. Okay. And then he signs a mega contract. I mean, that's really it. It's not like we didn't, like, Rich Hill wasn't reinvented. He didn't relearn how to pitch. He just said he didn't know he had the best curveball in baseball, right? You know, another one of our guys, Andrew Bailey, has the highest spin rate the last two years in Major League Baseball. That's why he keeps getting opportunities. You know, as he has the highest spin rate, it's against how do you maximize that, right? Yeah, because if you can get three strikes on all the batsmen, like, you're doing good, you know? Right. That's, that's like a thing. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's an important piece of baseball, yeah. right? So, one, uh, I had one more yeah. thing. One thing I was just, I mean, it kind of just popped in my head because I can't remember if we talked about it, Saber Seb or not, uh, Saber Seb or not, but it was what I think it can be used for coming back from injuries to kind of compare data. Pre-injury to right. post-injury, like, to be like, see, listen, like, you may not feel great right now, but your stuff is it's right. right where it used to be. Right. Right, it's right where it needs to be. And or we can, can see, hey, you're cutting something off. You seem like you're hesitant yeah. with your upper Everything. half. The way you your know? body's moving, all that stuff. So, or, yeah, or maybe you don't come back the same way. Like, hey, mm-hmm. your curveball isn't as tight as it used to be. Like, maybe we need to adapt. Maybe you need to throw more sinkers or maybe we need to right. work on a slider. Like, yeah. I had a lot of trouble coming back from Tommy John I, it took me like a whole another year to find my curveball again right where if I had just like an interim pitch like all right let's just like work on a slider and maybe I can just flip get me over sliders for a year until like I get my breaker back like there's a lot of implications for that yeah if you look at the big league level at the veterans so I, I've gotten to work with a lot of veterans that's that was one good thing with the Red Sox is we had some young homegrowns but they are also one of those teams that can go out and buy players so we got like the Kurt Schillings the Josh Beckett's of the world where we could see these things and it was and it was amazing to see these guys evolve both mentally and physically like Josh Beckett goes from throwing 96 97 to 91 93 94 somewhere in that range and spends a year or two like you know being the knucklehead about it to say no I throw gas that's my thing and he's not as effective then he realizes oh i need to throw more sinkers i need to throw more you know cutters i gotta learn a cutter so there's something along those lines like shilling i mean i saw shilling throw a, a freaking uh, almost a no hitter in, in in oakland throwing 82 you know like just split 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 i mean it was it was it's, it was amazing you know well, but Beckett yeah. threw his first no hitter in after at the end of his last career his last season of his career throwing 91 you know, so it's it, you know it's these guys relearned how to pitch. So they're they're showing you it's not ninety six, ninety seven. It's mm-hmm. learning how to pitch is is kind of big. So we'll be back after a quick break. I hope you're enjoying the podcast episode. 
If you want to learn more from me, please check out my website, MikeReinald.com. In addition to all my great articles, videos, and podcast episodes, I have a ton of online CEU courses, as well as my Inner Circle online mentorship and community. Be sure to subscribe to my free newsletter where I'm always sending you great info and exclusive perks and discounts. Just head to MikeReinald.com to get started. Thanks so much. Yeah, and it's it's tough. Like you saw in the World Series last year, like Aroldis Chapman won the, the very last game he pitched. He was throwing 97, 98. And what did he do? He threw all sliders because it's almost it almost feels unfair. Like as a guy who threw 92 most of his career, if I was down and only throwing 90 or 89 one night, I could not pitch. Like I couldn't pitch the same way. And it's like, wait, there's other guys going out there throwing 88, 89, and they're still getting outs. Why can't I just be down a little bit today and still like be as good as him? But you learn to get away with certain locations, and you just pitch a certain way. So if you're throwing 95, you're going to get you know middle or like outer half fastballs might get by a guy. But then if you drop down to 92, outer half doesn't work, and now you've got to be outer third. And the question is, can you adapt and figure that out before you just get destroyed and you're you know released or you're demoted or whatever? And that's I think what the good guys figure out quick. It's like I don't have 95 anymore, so I can't throw inner outer half. I got to be inner outer third. And then if you're Jamie Moyer, it's on the black or off the plate, on the black or off the plate, you know, all that stuff. So it's just a tough transition to figure that out before you're in hot water. Yeah, I, I agree. Yeah. And it, it happens in game as well. You yeah. go out there without your good fastball, you go out there and you just can't locate. Mm-hmm. you got to figure out what you can do pretty quick or right. you're not going to be out there very long. And right. We've all had those games. And it's like, okay, what can I do today? Right. And you're figuring it out in the bullpen, and hopefully the you, you can do that. The more things we know, if you have – you know, I don't want to get to the point where, you know, like Matsuzaki had 12 options. But if you ha- if you know I can't throw hard today, but I know how to spin the ball and I can I can stay away and maybe they get weak contact, there there's always something you can do, unless your arm's just totally trash and you shouldn't be out there to begin with. <laughs> right. And I feel like the person that's going to benefit most from this is, is like Kevin and his world, right, in the collegiate world. In high school, if you're a good high school pitcher, you're probably already a better than the the talent level in high school and you you can have a bad day and just get away with it right it's the, it's the kids in college that can actually start to learn to be a pitcher so you know you're going to have some kids that are you know throwing 95 from the left and you're like all right you're going to get drafted no matter what just just keep doing with your stuff but maybe you know you're in a you know maybe you're at a D3 or a D2 or maybe you're you know a D1 but you're you know you're borderline draftable and you could you can say instead of like well I'm just going to try to throw as hard as I can what can I do to maximize myself so so, you know, what, what, you know, you've been you've done this for a year now, Kevin. What are your thoughts on the future of that in college? Um, just to go back on what, what you guys were saying, you, there's long-term goals and short-term. So you have to be able to make adjustments. You know, you have a, a goal. You know, I want to throw harder. I want to do this. But you also have to be able to make adjustments pitch to pitch. Um, the quicker you can make adjustments in between pitches and in games, um, like Dan was saying, if you're down that day, that's for the whole day, but you still have to be able to do it after one pitch, like what, what happened here, what I need to do, how do I make an adjustment? Um, and those are the best pitchers that can adjust quickly. The quicker you adjust, the better you're going to be. Um, and most talented high schoolers don't have to do that adjustment. Yes. It's to, then they get to college and they realize, oh, wow, these hitters are better. And they have to learn how to make that adjustment, right? I mean, and I'm just, I'm just assuming. I mean, you guys have been through it, but. Yeah, and one of my coaches, I thought this was, this was wisdom I carried with him my whole career. He said, you know, your starts will break down into four types. He said you'll have you'll go out there one time with your best stuff, and you'll you'll easily win because everything will be there. You'll just dominate. 
And one time out of four, you'll have your worst stuff. And you'll, you'll just get beat that day. It's just going to happen. And great pitchers win the next two. The other two are the days where you just feel okay. Like maybe your breaking ball is there, but your fastball is not. Maybe you don't locate that well. Maybe everything's just kind of mushy. And great pitchers, they find a way to compete and battle, and they win those two games. They get better on the fly. They figure it out. Um, and bad pitchers don't. Bad pitchers can only pitch well when they've got everything going for them. And you see lots of guys like that where they're just like, ah, I don't feel right. You can tell they're not going to compete from the moment they go out there. And, and you get so, a question: If are they really a bad pitcher, or are they just a dumb pitcher? Like, right? Yeah, so that, or they haven't learned those types of things. I said that's again. That's right. I keep saying the phrase "market opportunity" because I don't. Know, I mean, that's the business term right here. You know, but like, there's an opportunity here. You know, to embrace this this data. You know, yeah. it's interesting. I think one of the interesting things, and I just thought of this when Dan was talking, is that. For years, any pitcher that's ever pitched has had a bad day. But <laughs> now we've never known why. Why did you have that bad day? Right. Why do we have them regularly? Right. Is there a pattern to it? Did you do something? Did you not recover? Did you not do the same things you've been doing? Did you have a bad cheeseburger? You know, why Why was it? It's not a thing, Will. No, no, I always use that because it's David They're Wells. Good. <laughs> uh, David Wells, when he threw his perfect game, a guy asked him what was different. And Wells was just like, I had a good cheeseburger for lunch. Yeah, <laughs> um, But now we might have the opportunity with all this data to put it in context and say, okay, I didn't do this, therefore my arm was trash today. Right. Or I had a great day. What did I do yesterday? Let's do that again. I mean, it's, it's, it's hard to figure that out. It takes kind of, a lot of years. Yeah, it's kind of lucky socks, but right. I think more data, the better we can find it out. And maybe mm -hmm. it's months, not years. And I remember my, my rookie season, I figured that out because it was my first year back from Tommy John. And I was trying to be a good old boy and doing all the rehab so that my elbow didn't implode again. So I remember like it was maybe like start five or six for me, and I would, I had a long outing. I went like eight innings and threw a lot, so I just did extra like forearm care so my elbow didn't blow up. And the next time out, I was like the slowest I'd thrown all season. It was like 88, 89 the whole game. I'm like, all right, clearly something's different here. And I started to like, I'm like, this is the only variable. I did a ton of forearm stuff between the previous start and that one. And I'm like, that's the only thing that changed. It had to be that. So I started tapering that back, and I just started to figure out what like the optimal dose was of my pre between start routine, and then my velocity normalized about two, two or three later. And so that was an important lesson for me. And if you're not paying attention to it, you might just miss that completely and never really get a, an optimized routine. Because it's not about trying to live up to Roger Clemens or Nolan Ryan's shadow. It's about doing the optimal dose. Like if you would. You could, if you could take one Advil and your headache goes away, why would you take five, right? I mean, you probably deal with that all the time, people doing yeah. too much, right? Yeah, we call it the minimum viable dose, right? I mean, that's, yeah. that's the, you know, it's yeah the same it's concept. Razor. Yeah, I mean, if, if, if one helps, then five is going to help five times more. I mean, that's that's their, their thought, but it's most often destructive. Right? We just we talk about this about you yeah, personally. all the time. Thought it was about Fish's routine in between starts right now. Especially, I think hitters are a great example, and we're talking a lot about pitchers right here. What does a hitter do when they're in the slump, when it's slump, they just hit more, you know, just hitting and hitting and hitting, and just making it worse and worse and worse because they're getting tired. They're, you know, they're you know they're getting poor mechanics. So, um, you know, it's all it's crazy. We could do this forever, yeah. right? So, I, I, I think the biggest takeaway right now. So, we all went to Saber seminars. A great meeting. You should consider attending next year. Um, we'll try to you know we'll try to tweet out some info on how to get uh, involved in that in the future. But we all went to that, and I think we all we all said the future here of both performance enhancement, injury uh, prevention, uh, and heck, like getting exposure, like becoming the best pitcher. It's all about embracing this data, right? So, I, I guess that's how we would we would summarize you know today's episode. Well, yeah. well worth going. It was awesome.
Yeah, yeah, great cause. Yeah, and, 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 and yeah, that's right. And great, great charity cause as well. And uh, but you know, we, we you got to start thinking differently. You got to start thinking data. You got to start thinking. You know, it's not just chucking a ball as hard as you can. It's it's this other stuff. So the khaki uh, pants are there to help. Awesome. Yes, that's right. The 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 data analysts are there to help you. I think that's a good one. So um, awesome. So another great episode. Really appreciate it. Go to MikeRandall.com. Click on that link to the podcast, and you can ask us a bunch of questions. So obviously, great baseball episode here, but we do. It all right rehab fitness sports performance business lenny's personal uh likes and dislikes uh those Missed sorts of lenny's things episode. yeah no no lenny everyone says lenny's their favorite character he's a real person so anyway we'll see you guys on the next time go to itunes rate and review and uh thanks thanks so much for listening to the podcast if you have a question you'd like us to answer head to mikerinal.com slash podcast and fill out the form to submit your question If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. And please share this with your friends to help spread the word. It would really mean so much to us. Please check out all my online courses, articles, newsletter, and more at MikeReynolds.com. There's always a ton of great perks for my newsletter subscribers. And be sure to check for my other podcast, the Sports Physical Therapy Podcast, where I go deep into topics and interview leaders within our field. See you on the next episode.